Hey, what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Beantown Podcast for a hot and muggy Sunday, July 26th. I suppose it is the uh, the hot part of the year, you know. You get to July, there's no more, like, surprise heat or excuses. It's not like you get a hot day in early June and it's like, well, June is, is pretty much summer, but it's still pretty hot, you know. Once you get to this late stage of July and then into August, all the way up until, I'd say, Labor Day, there are no surprise hot days. If it's hot, you had it coming. My name is Quinn David Furness, and this is my show. What's going on? How are you? What's happening? Did I mention it's hot? Wow. Today's one of those days where it's really hot, first and foremost, but second most... It's windy, right? Which is a great thing to have, right? You'd rather have wind than no wind. But it's so hot, it feels like it's hovering around 105 right now, that the wind is just like a, a hot wave of air. There's no refreshment. We're not picking up anything off the lake. I bet Lake Michigan is pretty toasty today. I was at a pool yesterday. I was at Rachel's parents' house, and... They had the heater on, which I don't understand, in the pool. It was toasty. And that thing would have been a would have been a hot tub without the heater. It was um it basically felt like you go to the hotel pool and you you go in the hot tub and the, the heater in the hot tub like isn't totally working, but it's so hot in that chlorinated pool room anyways that it's like kind of a hot tub. That's basically what it felt like. So we're doing our best to stay cool here. I'm I'm hoping the audio on this works out okay. I do have the tower fan going on level two out of three, and it's blowing pretty well. And then we got all all three of the ceiling fans in the apartment are running bedroom, dining room, and living room, which is where we're recording. Just an audio cast today in case you... Couldn't figure that out in the first two and a half minutes. No video today. Um, I just, I look like crap. I uh, I just got home maybe two hours ago. And, you know, I hadn't been home in, you know, 30 hours or so. A little bit less than that. But, you know, I haven't showered since yesterday morning after my long run. So, you know, it's we're recording this at 5 o'clock p.m. I last showered at 9 a.m. yesterday morning. But there's just been a lot of uh, going to the pool, so chlorine, by extension, a lot of sunscreen, and then, you know, sleeping through the night. And then today, man, we, uh, it, it's hot. I conveniently picked today out of all days to go do an outdoor social distance approved hangout with some college friends that I haven't seen in a while. Just not, not even doing anything. Literally just sitting in a green uh, green patch underneath a tree in the shade, just catching up, chatting um, out by the lake there, which was nice. But, boy, it was, it was hot, very sweaty. So we got all that work in. And I was going to shower when I, right when I got home, right, because you can, so why not? But then I realized, well, I'm going, I'm getting a carry out, get some Chinese food for supper. And I figure, well, actually, the, the Chinese place I go to is about a, it's a solid 20-minute uh, walk. It's not, like, just around the corner. It's, uh, you got to go, it's a little over a mile away. Um, so, you you know, you burn some calories going there and coming back. But I figure, you know, by the time I get back, I'm going to be super sweaty. So I might as well just eat supper, and then uh, and then I'll shower after that. So... Which is a dangerous precedent. The last couple of Sundays, I have put off my showers until like bedtime, but you gotta go. You gotta do it. And so I'll be like half awake, stumbling into the shower. And it feels great to get clean, but it doesn't feel that great to be ready for bed. And then it's like, well, now we're gonna hop in the shower. Um, first world probs, though. Listener discretion is advised. When you're listening to the Bean Town podcast, number one, we'll occasionally use some language, and number two, podcast is objectively terrible although i gotta say i'm really excited for today because we're going solely solely s-o-l-e-l-y off of a uh an email 
from hashtag friend of the podcast, Tark Shahada. If you don't know his work, go check out the local Glow podcast. And he's also got some of his own music in different parts of the interweb. You just got to look for it a little bit. He released an EP about a year ago. Three songs, I think. It's a lot of fun. Got to go check that out. Uh, but Tark emailed us saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm not reading this. I'm paraphrasing this. I'm a fan of the power rankings. You know, we did power rankings for American Girl Dolls a little over a month ago, I think. And then uh, in our second half of last week's program, we talked about Coldplay albums, which wasn't the main focus of the show. I just kind of threw it in there to fill time. And I know what you're saying out there at home. Quinn, the last 135 episodes of the show, you've just been filling time. Well, give me a break, okay? It's hot. But uh, today, I'm excited. We're bringing back the power rankings. I figure, you know, not, not like the show is transitioning into a power ranking show, but the thing with the Beantown Podcast is, you know, the main shtick has always been to talk about my adventures and experiences because that's what everyone was asking for two and a half years ago when we started. But frankly, with quarantine, not traveling and not having that many interesting experiences. So you got to evolve and adapt and overcome. Although I'll say next week, going to Indiana for a wedding... We've had some, at least one, maybe two, lively Beantown Podcast episodes from Indiana in the past. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. I may, I might record on, like, Thursday night or something, get it out of the way, because I'm not bringing my podcasting equipment with me, and I'm sure as hell not doing it Sunday night after you get back. So, yeah, be on the lookout. We might have a little midweek surprise here. Uh, speaking of midweek surprises here, before we announce our power rankings for this special episode, uh, I should mention for, for those listeners who are still wondering, hey, Quinn, you know, you read the Scott Farrell book. It's out there on, on uh, YouTube. We've got the private link if you want it. But you're wondering, what's, what's Scott been up to the last four years, three and a half years since the book ended? Uh, he turned 40 on Friday. Very exciting. Happy birthday, Scott. And I, I'll let you know this. If you are, if you, you know, listen to the audiobook, or even if you didn't and you're just aware of this character who is all too real, Scott Farrell, and you're, you know, you've heard me talk about how musically bad he is. Like for a man who's committed his pretty much his entire professional working career to the art form of music, other than his amateur porn um he's really bad like there there's a reason why he spent 20 years being a quote professional musician and he's still just hanging out in rockford working for a church and his opera company closed like they're not putting on shows anymore um he's really bad and my point here if you want to go check him out the cherry valley united methodist church where Scott Farrell works as the choir director, live streams their church service every Sunday morning. If you just YouTube Cherry Valley UMC, you can go see Scott um, sing and play the piano, and you'll, you can hear exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not being harsh on this guy. He's a really bad musician. Fine pianist. You know, he's been playing for a long time now serviceable but singing voice like i was listening to to him this morning sing uh no pun intended him um he was singing seek ye first the kingdom of god and it's just so pitchy like it's a really simple song to sing seek ye first the kingdom of god yada 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 all the choir boys out there will listening shout out to the choir boys Big, big cohort of choir boys. Um, but, man, it just was all over the place with the pitch. I don't get it. It seems so simple. Um, what the, the reason I brought this up, and we're going to get, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to describe it in graphic detail. I'm, I'm only going to even allude to it. I'm not even going to use the vulgar terminology. I'll, I'll keep it anatomically correct. If you if you don't want to hear what Scott did for his 40th birthday party, skip ahead one minute here. Um, 
it's not even that bad. It's not it's not anything sexual even. Um, it's it's just related to a piercing. I'm gonna go ahead and say it right now, Scott Farrell pierced his uh, manly part, um, the big one. And here's the thing they don't tell you about Twitter. There's no like uh, NSFW filter even for public pages like Scott's. He, he can just post whatever pictures of whatever genitalia he wants with whatever sticking out of it, which is fascinating that you can do that on Twitter, which means there's a lot of just like porn on Twitter, apparently. Not that I'm looking for it. I'm not, I don't want that. I just shocked that you can do that on Twitter. Like you can't, you can't post porn on Instagram, I don't think. But Twitter doesn't really have a filter on that stuff. It's interesting. Whatever. Um, that's what Scott Farrell did is for his 40th birthday party. Uh, we are on Minute 12 here at the Beantown Podcast for Sunday, July 26th. And I'm happy to announce that thanks to a listener suggestion, Tariq Shahada, thank you for emailing us. Your uh, request has been granted. We're going to do power rankings of invasive species today invasive i-n-v-a-s-i-v-e species almost a palindrome we are really excited to be doing it the first step was sitting down on the couch here when i got home and figuring out which species we're going to be ranking because really you could go crazy with this stuff but we've got uh we've picked out 10 and i'll read you the 10 i picked out here the order i read them in right now doesn't matter we're going to jump in it's a top 10 power ranking we'll do the first five then read our ads, and then we'll do our last five here. But here's the 10 invasive species that we're dealing with in no particular order. We've got the Asian carp, the bull weevil, the common rabbit, Burmese python, swamp rats, brown, what is this word? Marmorated stink bug, marmorated, M-A-R-M-O-R-A-T-E-D, brown marmorated stink bug. Feral pigs, killer algae. <laughs> Sounds like not real, but it's all real, I promise. Zebra mussels and the European, not the European starling, the European Union. I got that backwards. Not the European Union, the European starling. Let me get a drink of water here. You know, we're doing okay with the heat. We're managing. It's all about staying hydrated, wearing as few clothes as possible, wearing my boxers right now. We're not naked. Getting those fans going. And, yeah, during the heat of the day, you know, between, I don't know, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., yeah, it's going to be toasty. But you just got to stick it out. The important thing, keep your crotch cool. Okay, kids, for all you kids out there thinking, hey, how do we stay cool in the summer? Maybe you ran out of popsicles. Here's all you need to remember, and it's not WWJD. It's KYCC, right? Like you're emailing the Bluegrass State, but they're not your primary subject sender. Or receiver. You're CCing them. KYCC. Keep your crotch cool. I think we could get a new Beantown Podcast ad where the tagline is keep your crotch cool. Right? A lot of a lot of the big podcasts have like underwear ads. Oh boy. We're getting work emails Sunday at five PM. What's going on in your life where you finally get to the point Sunday? 5 p.m. where it's like, all right, time to catch up on emails. You're supposed to be caught up. Okay? Tip number two for all the youngsters listening out there. Avoid sending emails on Sunday night. No one wants to get an email on Sunday night. Unless it's from those uh, publisher clearinghouse people who show up to your door with a giant check, right? If, if I got an email from the publisher clearinghouse folks 
and it said, we're outside your door. Open up. Free money inside. That's a Sunday night email I'd want to receive. Okay? Here's a Sunday night email I don't want to receive. I'm seeing in the Facebook group that people got into different types of classes. I might sound stupid, but how did they do that? I didn't know this was an option, and I don't know if I still have time to get into one of those specialized classes. Just keep it for Monday morning, okay? I'm doing my best. Um, At number 10 here, power rankings list of invasive species. We're going to just get the boring one out of the way first. We're going with a common rabbit. Here's the thing. You might think rabbits are fun and cool and cute. And if you get one, you could name it Joel Chandler Harris. But here's the reality of the situation. Two rabbits, one male, one female, can turn into a billion rabbits in the span of one glacial epoch. E-P-O-C-H, right? You didn't think I knew that word, did you? That's a problem. They're going to be eating your turnips. They're going to be eating your carrots. They're going to be all over your water chestnuts. And your strawberry fields are going down. Rabbits won't stop until you hit ground zero. They do make good stew, though. Have you ever had rabbit? Mm-hmm can be a little tough, but if you make it right, it can be tasty. That's the thing with rabbits, and that's why they're all the way down at the bottom of our power rankings. Because even though they can be very troublesome, you know, you get a billion rabbits going in the world, you, they might eat your crops, but you just turn around and eat them, okay? Not a bad deal. You're going to see a lot of these uh, species. Are they all animals? Let's see. More or less. Yeah. We didn't touch plants. Sorry. Um, You're going to notice a lot of these animals aren't as fun to eat. I think rabbits are towards the top of the list in the eatability category. Number nine. Fans of birds will be Bummed or happy, depending on how you're treating these power rankings, to see the European starling. No, it's not Dame Maggie Smith. It's a type of bird coming in at number nine. Number nine on our power rankings list of invasive species, the European starling. If you've ever seen the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Birds, you kind of get a sense of what's going on with the European starling. They fly in gigantic flocks. Imagine a cloud of locusts, but instead of locusts, it's birds. And they just kind of descend upon towns, villages, and general metropoli, which is the plural of metropolis. And they kind of just wreak havoc. Apparently, they really like to bug cattle as well. You know, when I was when I was figuring out the... Um, list of, of 10 species I want to discuss discuss today. For most of them, I was like finding them on National Geo or something and just like briefly perusing some facts and factoids about them. I'm going to try to remember as much as I can about each one of these because I'm, I'm literally just reading off this list of 10 right here. I don't have any fun facts in front of me. But the European starling, they can get in there and they'll mess you up, man. And in general, you know, flocks of birds can be spooky. You know, you get vultures, obviously, but you also go to the beach and there's like a ton of seagulls hanging out, whitey birds, man, they're going to cause some issues. Or Canadian geese. What's up with geese anyways? Like, they got a stick up their ass so far, you could drill for Canada oil, Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton, that's in uh, Alberta, is that right? Sounds right. Edmonton and Calgary, those are both in Alberta. I've never been to Alberta. 
someday. I'm going to go to Banff. Um, okay. That's the European Starling coming in hot at number nine on our power rankings of invasive species. At number eight, fans of the ocean will love it. I think they're from the Caspian Sea or something. One of these animals on here is from the Caspian Sea, and this one would make sense. It's the zebra mussel. Mussel, M-U-S-S-E-L. Apparently, they started in the Caspian Sea, which is the largest lake in the world. And then they somehow crossed the Caucasus into the Black Sea, which is mighty impressive. Okay, people talk about Hannibal and taking his elephants... I think we've talked about this before on the show. First of all, crossing the Strait of Gibraltar with a herd of elephants, I don't understand. But then crossing the Alps with elephants, like, were they on top of the Matterhorn or what's going on? Um, Hannibal will get all the headlines. What no one's talking about is how zebra mussels climbed the Caucasus Mountains. Or the Caucasus, is that right? The Balkans? I don't know the Caucasus region, where Kim Kardashian's from, to get to the Black Sea. That's pretty impressive, okay? Because usually when you see mussels, or at least in my experience with mussels, they're just kind of hanging out in the ocean. You know, they're kind of like barnacles. Just Jay chilling. i never seen a mussel climb Mount Elbrus before. Okay, you never see any National Geo pictures of the day where it's like a muscle family that climbed Mount Elbrus and they've got a little muscle flag that they plant on top of the mountain and they have an Insta caption that's like, just the, the bicep emoji. Right? I've never seen that before. Okay? Man, I'm really talking about these zebra mussels. Maybe they should have been higher than number eight. Here's the downside to zebra mussels, though. Not as tasty as the rabbit. I know I'm, I'm, I'm offending, marginalizing, isolating the seafood community here. But I just don't get the what's all the fuss with mussels. You got to like pry them open. Anything. Okay. I'm just going to state this right now. And I'm going to do it unapologetically. 13 syllable words. Um, Anything you got to pry open. uh, No. No thanks. We're talking lobster. Clams. Anything with a shell, I'm not particularly interested in. Mussels. Prying leads to crying. (laughs) Okay? There's tip number three for the kids. Number one, KYCC. Number two, I forgot. Number three, prying leads to crying. I hope you're writing this down. Because I think the only one I'm going to remember is... KYCC, and then I'm going to forget what that actually stands for. Keep your crotch cool. And prying leads to crying. And there was a... We had number two, but I forgot what it was. Um, Zebra mussels, number eight. Number seven, the longest one on the list, and I, I need my reading glasses. They're in the other room. I'm trying to remember what this word is. I don't know what it means. The brown... Same issue I had last time. I got to get real cr- real close to the screen. The brown marmorated stink bug. Marmorated. I think I already spelled it. Here's the thing with stink bugs. They smell pretty bad. But the reason they're not any higher on this list is because they don't really do anything else. They're just kind of there. Apparently, they can reproduce really rapidly, which I think is a a common trait amongst most of the uh, species we're discussing today. But I remember when I'd be corn detesting, in the corn there were always, I mean, there's lots and lots of different bugs, but the ones you always notice were the stink bugs because they're big and 
box-like. And occasionally you would crush one with, uh, you know, in between the leaves of a corn plant, and it would get real stinky. And a profession that's already notoriously stinky, detasseling corn, stink bugs just make it all that much worse. Especially when you get the brown marmorated ones, you know, as far as stink bugs go, they're probably the stinkiest, okay? That's just my opinion. But who are you going to trust, okay? Some etymologist who's teaching you about words or some entomologist who's teaching you about insects or Quinn David Furness, okay? Those are your three options. End of list. Number six, last one before we read our ads here. I'm really running out of gas, just like personally. I'm on the couch, like rubbing my face. I, I don't really like smell that bad, but I'm, I'm not, I don't smell good. And I'm just kind of hot and uh, need a nice bath. But we're going to make it. That's my promise. That's the Beantown Podcast guarantee. What I might do is is once we get through the ads here, I might actually pause the recording and get some ice water. Anything to kind of shock me back into coherence. Stop me up. If you stop me up, I'll never stop. Never, never, never. Oh. Uh, number six, last one uh, before halftime break here is the Burmese python. Probably the spookiest animal on our list here and maybe the most, like, dangerous to humans in terms of actually being killed by an animal is the Burmese python. Burma, of course, the former name of Papua New Guinea or Ceylon. I don't remember which one. Uh, somewhere in Asia... And these pythons are, they're, they're trouble, man. I read that they were, the only reason they've been introduced into the Western world is because of people that keep them as exotic pets. I'm like, if you're going to get a pet, make it an erotic pet. Which I understand the confusion because a snake is, can be erotic, you know? Sexy, Slytherin. Oh, there's some Harry Potter fan fiction for you. But no, right? Like uh, Scarlett Johansson voices Ka, K-A-A. I thought that was a type of triangle in geometry. What do you got? Your SAS, your ASS. That was my favorite one. Scarlett Johansson's ASS. Oh, all right. Off topic here, but the Burmese python is number six. Those guys are large and in charge. They'll squeeze you around your belly just like we learned in Land Before Time. Number five with Chomper. They're trouble. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the ads, and then I'm going to hit the pause button. I'm going to get some ice water, and I'm going to go watch not the entire fifth Land Before Time, but at least that one song where they're, you know, that episode was trippy, man, because they're on, like, the land bridge. And then the land bridge disappears. What happened there? And then it's, like, castaway. I'm going to have to read through the plot of Land Before Time 5. So I apologize if it's a little bit of a longer break. You should just consider yourself lucky that I'm not reading the Wikipedia plot of Land Before Time number 5 live on air, okay? If you want to do that, Google it yourself. But I've got stuff to do. And I get to have Chinese food after this. Number six, the Burmese python. Uh, that's a good time to take a little break here. And let's hear from our sponsors. And again, if anyone, hey, if you've got an idea for a product that you want to advertise on our show that could utilize the slogan, keep your crotch cool, whether it be tampons or industrial fans or athletic wear, or literally anything else, bratwursts, just let us know, okay? Because we're open for suggestions. Uh, Whole Pride, Oregon, are you tired of selling your house for less than a quarter of what it's worth, all because you couldn't find a reliable home inspector in time? Well, Oregon listeners, there's good news. Home Pride, or- mm. 
That's not what it's called. Home Pride Inspection Services in Bend, Oregon is Central Oregon's hottest new home inspection provider with inspection services, including things like heating and cooling, roofing, plumbing, and so much more. Home Pride Oregon is both contractor certified and home inspection certified, so you know you're getting the good stuff. If you're tired of big real estate stranglehold on the home inspection market and you want a safe, certified home inspector that you can trust, you have to call Steve. Here's the number, 541-410-0316, or you could visit HomePrideOregon.com. Again, 541-410-0316, or you just head to HomePrideOregon.com. Home Pride Oregon Inspection Perfection. Shout out to the Samson Q2U series. It's crazy to think now we're two and a half years into the Beantown podcast. Samson has been with us since the start of it. And we're we're a couple more mediocre months of episodes away from hitting three years of Beantown. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's over 10% of my life I've been doing this podcast. It's a long time. That's a lot of crappy audio, right? I just started doing it because I just kind of started doing it one day. And look at where we are. We reached our peak and we're back in the valley in terms of downloads. For a while there, we were running hot. About this time last year, we had we had, had a couple episodes where we hit 1,000 downloads. I don't know what happened, man. Completely wheels fell off. That's okay. These things happen. Uh, my point being, when God speaks, he uses a Samson. I still have the TV Guide story written. Just It literally just says TV Guide story on the Google Doc. we got to get rid of that. The TV Guides are officially gone. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. I have recycled them. They're out of my life until a new magazine subscription offer comes along. Uh, cuts by Q. Bob and Weave. We all know the hairstyle. We all love it. But how many Chicago-based independent barbers can actually give it to you the way you deserve? Enter Cuts by Q. It's like Enter Sandman, but different. Cuts by Q has been independently owned and operated since 1995 and is probably one of the better barbershop operations, serving Chicago, Cook County, Northwest Indiana, and the greater Chicagoland area. From beehives to bangs, full hawks to flat tops, and everything in between, you have to call Cuts by Q at 815-298-7200, or you can email Cuts by Q at yahoo.com. Again, that's Cuts, Q-U-T-Z, by Q at yahoo.com. Sing it with us loud and clear. Oh, we're starting up here when you need a fresh do, something snappy and new. Let's call the experts at Cuts by Q. Cuts by Q. You know what we really need? We need to get Scott Farrell to sing the Cuts by Q song for us. Except it would sound like shit. Apologies for my language, but not really. Um, I'm going to take a quick pause. I'm going to get some ice water. We got five more species to go. And I'm going to read the plot of the land before time five. And if it's good enough, I'll, re- I'll read it live on air. Okay? I'll be right back. All right. We're back. Get a load of this. It's kind of quiet, but I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, that was it. I don't even know if you can really hear that. Land Before Time 5. I forgot these songs are like... Everyone's singing. Oh, boy. What do you got? Littlefoot, Sarah, Petrie, Spike. Is that one of the characters' names? The kind of dopey one? Chomper, my favorite, makes his first appearance in number two, I think, and then uh, shows up again in number five. Ducky, Land Before Time 5, The Mysterious Island. What a, what a production. 1997 direct-to-video animated adventure musical film. Wow. What, what a cast of characters. Littlefoot. Sarah, Ducky, Petrie, Spike, Chomper, Grandpa and Grandma Longneck. Oh, yeah, because 
Littlefoot's uh, mom dies in the first one, right? It's like Bambi. Wow. So who who what's the like conflict in in this one? I know the uh, I know that the like land bridge that they walk on disappears. I don't know. Whatever. Sharp tooth. Is that what it is? Uh, welcome back. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to read about it on air, and here we spent the first two minutes of the second half doing just that. Oh, man, look at this. Holy cow. Look at this sharp tooth character. This guy is bad news. Holy cow, there's, there's YouTube clips and everything. Look, this sharp tooth guy is trouble, Okay. Maybe we should put him on the list of invasive species. Not sharp tooth. Holy cow, he's like climbing. He's like a mountain goat. Look at him. He's on the side of this mountain. You got to pause this episode of the Bean Town Podcast and go watch the YouTube clip with 76,000 views. The Land Before Time 5 against Sharp Tooth. Look, he's in the caves. They put Ducky out there as a bait? Wow. What a picture. Well, I wasn't sure what I was going to watch tonight. But I think it's become pretty clear that we're watching The Land Before Time, the Mysterious Island. Oh, man, he went into the water and he's still... Oh, watch out for that boulder. It's going to fall on your head. What? They're pushing this giant-ass boulder. It got away five tons off the edge of the cliff, and they're about to hit... Oh, man. Petrie's going to get eaten by Sharptooth. God, the steam from his nostrils blew him away. This is riveting stuff. Uh-oh. Littlefoot and Sarah are pushing the boulder on top of the dino's head. Ducky's right on his nose. This is crazy stuff. Can you believe this was direct-to-video? I sure can't. Oh, he pecked him in the eyelid. That's a good move. Uh-oh. Where's Chomper during all of this? I thought Chomper was supposed to be our big hero. So someone died. Yikes. Oh, I thought... Okay, I thought Petrie died, but everyone's okay. Um, if you're just joining the Beantown Podcast on Minute 38 here, we are doing a power ranking of the top 10 invasive species which is very exciting especially for all those science nerds listening uh listening to our show uh i think we've had a pretty good time so far and we're about ready to to jump back into our list and go for uh the last five here all right, let's do this. Uh, come in, or let's review our, our where we've been so far. Number ten, uh, it's our power rankings list of invasive species. Number ten, the common rabbit. Ooh, we will, we will, be quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. You know that song, Wabbit Slayer? Oh, you gotta YouTube that. Kill the wabbit. Oh, and it won't be no more Peter Wabbit. No more Wadjo Wabbit. No more Playboy Bunny Wabbit. Oh, it's, it's pretty good stuff. Um, Elmer Foot. Number nine, the European Starling. Number eight, Zebra Mussel. Number seven, the Brown Marmor Stink Bug. Number six, the Burmese Python. And picking it up here in the second half, which will be far shorter than the first half, I promise. Because I'm kind of hangry and hot. Hot and hangry. Hot and hangry. What's going on there? That's not right. I'm going crazy over here. Number five, swamp rats. They live in Louisiana. They're kind of like those things... uh, (laughs) The, the beasts of incredible size or whatever from the Princess Bride, whatever they're called, rodents of impeccable tonsils. I don't remember what they're called. Um, they live in Louisiana. They're like be- beavers' evil cousins because they just go in there and they really wreck stuff. Apparently, they like to go into like lakes and riverbeds 
and they just start digging. And they don't stop until it's done. No one knows what they're digging for. Gold, I suppose. Wouldn't it be so cool if there was an entire species of animal that like valued a precious metal like gold or silver the way humans do and they used it to like trade and start their own currency system you'd have to be a pretty intelligent animal but i could see like parakeets doing that or cockatoos don't don't sleep on the swamp rats because they might be starting their own their own currency system you go down to louisiana you're going to see some swamp rats starting their own gold mints and gold mines. That'll mess you up, man. Number four, we're getting down to it here. Oh, I said I don't have any plants. Well, someone's going to have to check me on this. I'm not a botanist. Killer algae coming in at number four. Algae's a plant, right? Algae is not an animal. Algae is a plant. Can someone check on the algae for us? Please, thank you. Get our assistant on that. Killer algae, I forgot what I was reading about them, but they sound, it sounds like trouble, okay? Anything with a killer in front of them, whales or orcas or Brandon flowers, they're going to be trouble, okay? Killer algae, they're going to show up. They're going to be in your pools, your ponds, your schools, your community centers, your mom and pop stores, and they are just going to wreck, wreck it all. They're going to wreak havoc, and uh, you're going to have a lot of scum, pond scum specifically, also known as killer algae. It's estimated that killer algae covers 75% of the world's natural bodies of water. Full coverage. You can't even get a canoe through there. That's what we're dealing with here, okay? You know, you can talk about libtards and terrorists and swamp rats all you want, but the real killers are killer algae, as far as I'm concerned. Coming in at number three, a very fun one, feral pigs or feral swine. I think that's the state animal of Louisiana, Besides swamp rats. Feral pigs can be found on every continent except for the ones where they're not found. Wouldn't it be badass if there was a colony of feral pigs in Antarctica? They just adapted to the cold. You know, Kurt Russell down there in The the Thing. You know, you think the real killer is The Thing. But turns out it's a colony of feral pigs. How do they get to be so feral anyways? And what exactly does it mean to be feral? Is feral a synonym for just being wild, or does it have something to do with being, like, infected by something? I don't know. But I tell you what, regardless, if you're a feral pig, you're going to be causing some trouble. They're coming in, they're eating all your truffles, and uh, they're not getting your hints for when it's time to leave, okay? So you're just going to have to tell them right to their faces. The problem with feral pigs, they're not very good listeners, historically, I'm sure before someone emails us and says, oh, but my feral pig listens to me just fine. I'm sure if you get one in isolation and train it, it would be a good listener. But in a pack, you get that pack mentality going, those guys aren't going to take your shit. You can take that to the bank. Number three, feral pigs. Number two, we're down to the nitty-gritty here. Number two is Asian carp, everyone's favorite fish and everyone's favorite type of carp. You know, Asian carp were really stealing the headlines like 15 years ago, particularly in the Great Lakes and like the Illinois River. And I feel like we don't really talk about Asian carp anymore, but I don't know if that's because we've sort of gotten it under control or if... It's just become part of the ecosystem. How did the Asian carp get into the Great Lakes from Asia? That's what I want to know. That's maybe even more impressive than, than the family of mussels that climbed Mount Elbrus, Europe's tallest mountain. 
which I don't think we gave enough credit, you know, to that family of mussels, zebra mussels, not just any average mussel, but Asian carp making it uh, making its way from the Himalayas, its native habitat, to the Great Lakes region, the Illinois River, and beyond. They're everywhere at this point. Um, and I don't want to get any angry letters about racial and ethnic stereotypes saying, hey, Quinn, you singled out the Asian carp. What about the other carp? I don't have time for this, okay? I'm running a very mildly successful podcast. You know what you can do? You can email beantownpodcast.yahoo.com. Again, it's beantownpodcast.yahoo.com, and I'll throw it in the spam folder. That makes you feel any better? You feel like you're heard? Been listened to? Speaking of listening, the only person who listens worse than a pack of feral hogs is yours truly, Quinn David Furness. Coming in at number one, I think a lot of people knew it was going to be this way. They have a very fun place in United States history. Coming in at number one, and thanks to Tark Shahada for the idea of ranking invasive species, it's the bull weevil. You know what I would really like, and I think we could make the bull weevil less scary, less intimidating, is if in the, the biology textbooks, the botany textbooks, the zoology textbooks, when you, get, when you show the picture of the bull weevil, if they all had bull cuts, done, and I don't want to, you know, shit where I eat, but done maybe by cuts by Q, cross-dimensional uh, revenue, isn't there a, oh, product, hor- vertical integration, that's the, that's, the, that's the terminology for it. Someone paid attention in macroeconomics, which I never took, but now I'm taking all y'all to school. The bull weevil would be less intimidating if it had a bull cut. I think we can all agree on that one. But the bull weevil, infamous for destroying the cotton crops of Georgia back in the 1920s, as if the 20s weren't already tough enough. Boy. And then just when things got the worse, then the 1930s happened. And then we elected a Democrat in Roosevelt. Jeez. On top of all other things. What's next? World War II? Yup. In case you're tuning in at minute 48 of the Beantown Podcast, Quinn is doing a retelling of 20th century American history. Welcome to the show. Thanks to the bull weevil. And remember, kids, keep your crotch Cool. I said I was going to forget number three. I already forgot number two. I did forget number three. Was it something to do with Land Before Time 5? I don't know. We have been all over the place on today's episode. But I think it's been a good one. Um, I closed out the list without going back to the top ten. That's highly embarrassing. And you know how technology is and... With my thumbs, it's going to take 30 seconds just to find the list again. Never mind. I found it. Uh, to recap, number 10, the common rabbit. Number 9, European starling. Number 8, zebra mussel, famous for their mountain climbing abilities. Number 7, the brown marmorated sting bug. Number 6, the Burmese python, which is when we talked about Scarlett Johansson. Number 5, swamp rats. State animal of Louisiana. Number four, killer algae. They cover 70% of uh, the Earth's fresh water. Number f- uh, three, feral pigs. They're not good listeners. Number two, Asian carp. It's not a stereotype. And number one, the bull weevil. I've never seen bull Durham. Kevin Costner? What about the Battle of Bull Run? Great battle. Is that the same thing as the Battle of Antietam? And is that in Virginia, Maryland? Who knows? Bull Run. I always get my like Civil War battle locations mixed up. The first battle of Bull Run, also known as the first battle of Manassas, that's what it is, it's not Antietam, was the first major battle of the American Civil War and was a Confederate victory. Well, that's embarrassing. So where is, uh, where is 
Bull Run. Virginia, I assume? Yeah. 25 miles southwest of D.C. So where is uh, Antietam? Is that in Maryland? That's also known as the Battle of Sharpsburg. Boy, there's a lot to keep track of here. Battle of Antietam. It's a fun name. Well, just tell me where it is. Sharpsburg, Maryland. Was that so hard? Wikipedia. What a joke. Um, thanks uh, to Tark Shahada for that great idea. That was a lot of fun. Going through invasive species. I know I had fun. And uh, I'm watching a Snapchat of raccoons playing with house cats. What a day. Yes, I'm Snapchatting and podcasting at the same time. I have a life. Got to give the fans what they want. Um, If you have any other ideas, you can shoot us an email. I think we've already said it like four times on the show already. So I'm not going to repeat myself. You should have been listening. Things have gotten very hostile on the Beantown Podcast. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. This was a fun episode. If you had fun, let us know. Leave us a comment on YouTube um, or uh, another place. Text me. Follow me on my OnlyFans. Right? 50% off. Now through Christmas. Uh, That's what I have for you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Maybe uh, like a midweek special coming out this week because I'm not doing a a podcast from Indiana, but we might do a podcast about Indiana. Who knows? Um, So look out for a little midweek or late week treat, perhaps. Uh, That's all I got for you. Let's get some music going here, and uh, I'll try to upload this stuff. And, uh, you know, whenever you're listening, hope your day goes well. Stay safe, stay sane, and I will check in on you next time. Bye, everyone.